Welcome to Seeing Beyond Risk, a podcast series from the Canadian Institute of Actuaries. I'm Chris Pivoli, Staff Actuary Communications and Public Affairs at the CIA, and today we'll be talking about criminal interest rates, what they are, and the role that actuaries play in this area. We have three CIA members joining us today to talk about this, Craig Allen, David Hart, and Peter Gorham. Thank you all for joining us today. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Craig, maybe we'll pose our first question to you. Can you tell us what a criminal interest rate is and why is it of interest to actuaries? Yes. uh, Thanks, Chris. The criminal interest rate is an upper limit imposed on the interest rates on loans in Canada. It's imposed by the criminal code, which is why it's called the criminal interest rate. And the upper limit specified by the criminal code is 60%. That 60% is an effective annual rate of interest. That's the method by which it's calculated. Now, why is it of interest to actuaries? Well, the criminal code has actually named us as a profession in naming the evidence that can be used to determine if a loan fits the criminal interest rate. So a certificate issued by a fellow the Canadian Institute of Actuaries is deemed by the criminal code to be evidence of whether a loan meets the criminal interest rate limit. So when you do this type of work, who are the usual clients you end up working with? The usual clients are borrowers. This is in civil actions. The criminal interest rate can be applied in criminal cases, and those can be very big. But the vast majority of matters are civil matters. It's the borrower who would be bringing it, and it's brought usually before small claims courts. And what types of situations can give rise to these calculations? Yeah, so it it can be things like financing on utility bills, for instance, the interest rates charged on utility bills. There can be, um, it's often inadvertent. It's a fairly technical calculation. Not many people other than actuaries are equipped to do the calculation. So um, it often happens that on a business transaction, the financing arrangements for the transaction will inadvertently breach the criminal interest rate. There will be a, a loan that's made, perhaps for a very short period of time. And that's the kind of thing that can inadvertently trip the criminal interest rate wire. It's Peter here. There's also um, two ways that you can violate the criminal code. The first is the loan agreement on its own could produce a rate that is above 60%. And the second way is by receiving payments that exceed 60%. And doing either of those is considered to violate the criminal code. Hi, Dave Hart here. I also had a situation last year of a U.S. company loan company that was uh, providing loans to companies who wanted to grow their business. And they contacted me because they were going to be moving into Canada, but they wanted to make sure that they didn't run afoul of the uh, criminal interest rates. So I did some work with them and gave them some tools to use so that their math whiz in the company was able to take over the calculations after that to uh, make sure that none of the loans would be a criminal rate of interest. David, can you tell us how payday loans fit into this whole situation? Currently, the federal legislation on criminal uh, interest rate exclude payday loans if the province has uh, legislation which 
looks after the specifics of payday loans. I think that right now all the provinces except Newfoundland do have payday loan legislation, so they would be excluded from uh, the federal criminal rate of interest. In the past, there was no provincial uh, payday loan legislation, so let's say around 2005 and before that, all the payday loans would have fallen under a criminal rate of interest and under the federal legislation. Okay, Peter, can you tell us the difference between APR and an effective annual rate of interest? Yes, uh, APR is a interest rate that is mandated to be disclosed on any lending transaction under the Consumer Protection Act, which are uh, provincial legislation across Canada. And the calculation of APR is standardized despite different wording across the provinces. It basically is a nominal rate, whereas for criminal interest, we have to calculate an effective annual rate of interest as laid out in the standards of practice. So you will never, obviously never, rarely see an APR and an effective rate that are the same. David, what's the largest interest rate that you've encountered in your work here? Actually, the, the largest interest rate that I have encountered was in 2005, and the um, effective annual interest rate was 63 trillion percent. And it actually involved a payday loan situation where a person got a loan for $300 and three days later he had to repay $375. So that's an interest rate of 25 percent over three days. And that was reported in the Ottawa Citizen in 2005 because it was a reporter who had gone out to get the payday loan and then asked Wayne Woods to prepare a report. Wayne prepared the report. The Ottawa citizen said, if we're going to publish, we need a peer review on that. So I got to be the peer reviewer. The headline on it, well, it was probably on page four or five, though. The headline was interest rate of 63 trillion percent. Oh, what are some of the key things to watch for in doing this work? Maybe, Peter, you could address that? I think... One of them is the um, level of fees and identifying whether a fee is actually considered to be an interest or credit advanced. The criminal code itself lays out very clearly what is credit advanced and what is interest. But if you think about the way we calculate effective annual rates of interest, we actually use the amount that is loaned, the credit advanced, and the amount of payments. It isn't critical whether a payment is classified as interest or as principal. It's a payment and it enters into our calculation that way. So what's important is if there is a fee that is not considered interest, you then either have to remove it from the payments or you have to make sure you've included it appropriately as credit advanced. So just handling the situations and being well aware of the definitions in the criminal code can make the difference between a correct and an incorrect calculation. So why do we have so many criminal interest rate situations? I think it's really an issue of opportunity and possibly greed. Sometimes you've got financial illiteracy by the borrower, possibly lender ignorance, but there's an opportunity to uh, help somebody who's desperate for money and to make an awful lot of money for yourself. Many people, I think, who get into these situations are just so desperate they don't really question the rate or question the amount of repayments. They're just glad to get the money. I've run across some situations where 
there's an ongoing relationship between borrower and lender. And as time went on, the rate got bumped up to the point that the borrower just simply could no longer handle the payments. And in that situation, it was a financially illiterate borrower and a lender who saw an opportunity to gouge for more and more money. David, you presented to Ontario judges back in 2018. Can you tell us what that was about? Yes, the um, Small Claims Court does presentations in the spring of each year. And in uh, the spring of 2018, one of the things that they want to present was going to be the criminal rate of interest. So I prepared a um, 10-minute video presentation for them on the calculation of the uh, criminal rate of interest. And that was incorporated into their presentations, which they took on the road to the different jurisdictions around Ontario. What are some of the indicators of a likely criminal interest situation? I think the most obvious indicator is if the APR is disclosed to be greater than 48%. That will not guarantee, but will almost always indicate an effective rate that exceeds 60%. But even less than 48% APR could give rise to a criminal rate. Other situations that would indicate this would be uh, a short-term high-risk loan, especially I find a lot of these happen in real estate transactions where a developer is borrowing, say, a couple million dollars to be repaid in three or four months. I don't think there's a lender who would be willing to loan that much money on such a risky loan for 60% because the risk is simply too large of uh, losing. So those sort of loans will almost always exceed 60%. And another indicator would be if you've got a borrower who's just having extreme difficulty in repaying a loan. While that can happen at less than 60%, it's an awful lot more likely to happen when the interest rate is above 60. So Peter, can you tell us who can do this type of certification in uh, criminal interest rates? Virtually any actuary who's current on their CPD. The CPD requirements recognize that if you are current in any area of actuarial practice, then you are qualified to do criminal interest calculations. Of course, you have to follow the standards of practice on actuarial evidence, and in particular, the section that deals with the way to calculate an effective annual rate of interest. And you should also be current or be knowledgeable about the different jurisdictions' rules around expert witnesses. And if you have reviewed that material, then it's a straightforward process to get introduced into actuarial evidence. Okay, great. Well, thank you all once again for taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, I'm Chris Fivoli, and thank you for tuning in to Seeing Beyond Risk. 